This is an invitation into my own spiritual struggles, and I'm inviting you in that journey with me. What is a tzaddik? What is a saint? Last week we lost a prophet. We don't have prophets, not today. Well, we have poets. We have troubadours, we have singers. And we lost Leonard Cohen. I consider him the Cohen Goddle. Even though he may not have been observant, Four years ago, he gave a concert in the Tel Aviv Auditorium, a Tel Aviv Stadium, football stadium, 60,000 people. At the end of the concert, he gets up in front of 60,000 Israelis, secular, and says, you know, I'm a priest. And he lifts up his fingers and he says, Birchaz Kohen. When's the last time one single Kohen gave a broch of Birkas Kohen to 60,000 people. I don't remember. I don't know any history books. He's a Kohen Godel of our generation. He's a prophet. Why is he a prophet? Prophecy is in the hands of idiots and fools and poets, according to the Gemara. When we lost the Beis Amikdosh, we lost prophecy. So we have to go to our poets who are sensitive to things subterranean and spiritual so when I ask you, what is a tzaddik? Let's go to Leonard Cohen, Oliver Shalom. And he writes, what is a saint? I want to share with you this paragraph. Because it's not what I grew up with as a tzaddik. For me, the notion of a tzaddik is the notion of perfection. Now listen to what he says. A saint is someone who has achieved a remote human possibility. So there are some very sacred, sensitive souls who go to the limits, the limits of human possibilities. It is impossible to say what that possibility is. It's a mystery. I think it has something to do with the energy of love. Love? What's love got to do with it? He says it's about the energy of love. I think contact with this energy results in the exercise of a kind of balance in the chaos of existence. The world is chaotic. How do I counterbalance that? Well, if we know our current president-elect, it will be with law and order. And Len Cohen, the prophet, tells us, no, no, no. You counter the balance of chaos with love. A saint does not dissolve the chaos. If he did, the world would have changed long ago. So the definition of this tzaddik is not that he's coming in and he's going to fix the world and he's going to make America great and everything's going to be good. That's, that's a battle. He does not go down that road. I do not think that a saint dissolves the chaos even for himself. Remember the Chavetz Chaim said, you know, I wanted to change the world, and then I realized I have to change my village, and then I realized I finally, the battle is within me. Cohen says, it can't even be within you. What battle? For there is something arrogant and warlike in the notion of a man setting the universe in order. You know, 
men are from Mars, women are from Venus, or the other way around, men want to fix things, you know, let's fix it. He says there's something arrogant and warlike in the notion of someone trying to fix the world. It's, it's, there's a violence to that. That's not what a saint is. That could be a president, could be a Flynn, but it's not, it's not a tzaddik. It is a kind of balance that is his glory. So now you're getting into the understanding that there is chaos and there is love. Am I here to fix? No, I'm here to hold the balance between the two, both out there in the macro world and within me. The balance between my darkness and my lightness, holding that balance. It is a kind of balance that is his glory. He rides the drifts, now the poet, he rides the drifts like an escaped ski. I don't know if anyone's gone skiing, but when you do, one day one of those skis will let go of you and it'll just go careering down the mountain. It is the, the, it is the, he rides the drifts like an escaped ski. His course is a caress of the hill. His track is a drawing of the snow in a moment of its particular arrangement with wind and rock. That, that ski just goes down. It, it, it go, it's governed by the forces of nature, by gravity, by the slope, by the slidey, slippery slope, by the quality of the snow, by the rocks that's sitting out. It just careers down on its own, determined by forces beyond its control. Something in him so loves the world that he gives himself to the laws of gravity and chance. Oh my gosh. Something in him so loves the world that he gives himself to the laws of gravity and chance. He doesn't try to fight it. He knows that there is a natural order. There's physics, there's chemistry, there's economics. There are laws that occur. There is laws within me. My abuse, my childhood, my genetics, my epigenetics, my family genetics. 99% of my brain neuropathways are predetermined long before I came here. Do I try to fight it? Well, I may, but the, the definition of this saint is he careers down that hill and allows it to flow with him. Far from flying with angels, now you may think he's a big tzaddik and he's up there with the oilimus and all the pamalyish or myla. No! Far from flying with the angels, he traces with fidelity a seismographic needle, the state of the solid bloody landscape. He becomes like the seismograph those very sensitive indexes of earthquake activity. He becomes the index of what's going on in the world. He doesn't try to fly away from the world to the angelic sphere. His house is dangerous and finite, but he is at home in the world. He can love the shapes of human beings unconditionally, the fine and twisted shapes of the heart. You know, I see patients morning to night with their broken lives and their broken bodies. Can you learn to love such, such a thing? Remember Andrew Wyatt's Christina? She's going climbing that hill because she has to get to her mother's gravesite, which is on the top of the hill in, in the Y Valley in Pennsylvania. And there's this wonderful, please check it online, Andrew Wyatt's Christina's World. And she's racked with 
she's racked with rheumatoid arthritis and he he paints her gnarled fingers and she can't walk so she's actually crawling up the hill to her mother's grave and for the first time I was 17 and I saw it at the Tate Museum in London and I saw her gnarled fingers and I actually saw beauty in the deformity of those rheumatoid hands there was something he captured that's what he means the house is dangerous but he's at home in the world and loves the shapes of human beings the fine and twisted shapes of the heart it is good to have among us such men such balancing monsters of love monsters of love i thought when i read this i was go- i was going through his poetry i was uh, reminded of one person tell me someone that comes to mind in your mind that describes and 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 fits this 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 personality character profile and for me what came to my mind was a man whose 22nd yardside happened last week Shlomo Kalabach Shlomo Kalabach was a man a husband a friend an itinerant preacher but that is not the Kalabach that most of his admirers remember most remember him as a mirror they saw in him what they wanted him to be sound familiar with this recent election or what they imagined themselves to be there's a teaching from the dog bear of the maggot of mezrich the prime pupil of the balshema kodesh whose revolution changed the course of judaism 200 years ago and it, he's quoting on the posuk when moshe is coming down from the mountain and <clears throat> in Shmos 33:8 it says vahoyo kitsais moshe el ha'ohel when moses would emerge from the tent of meeting yakumu kol ha'am all the people would rise the nitzvu ish pesach oholo and they would each stand at the entrance to their tent the he be to akhare moshe and they would stare they would gaze they would they would just constantly look akhare moshe at boohol until he returned he came out and everyone standing by the tent staring at him what does that what does that piece of information tell us in the torah and that they would stare at him so dov bear the maggid of mezrich says everyone would st- gaze after moses this akhare moshe is everyone sees himself in the tzaddik the real tzaddik is someone who isn't trying to manipulate you to make you frumer to make you more observant so that you get more beanie mitzvahs the function of the tzaddik is a mirror he's a mirror so that when you look at him you actually see yourself with more clarity and therefore it goes both ways they suspected moshe was guilty of adultery as you know because he had separated from his wife the medrash says when they were con- criticizing him they said oh he's took an ishokushis well he's married to 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 to, to the, the tzibora so when they gazed at moshe they saw themselves in the tzaddik the mirror image and therefore they suspected him that means 
that the core and tragedy of every leader, be it president, tzaddik, rabbi, as you struggle getting your next rabbi, the core tragedy of a leader is that his selfhood is lost in the aspirations, expectations, and limitations of those who are gazing upon him. And therefore, when the Erev Rav saw Moshe and criticized him for being a manuvel who was engaged in adultery, they actually were seeing their own behavior mirrored in the tzaddik. Who then was Shlomo Kalava? 22 years now since he died. He was a broken man who embodied and mirrored a broken people. He was a hopeful man who served as a mirror for members of the post-Holocaust generation that desperately needed to believe in the future. And he was the Rebbe of brokenness and hope. In Reb Nachman of Breslov, Shlomo found the paradox of faith in a broken world. <clears throat> Shlomo was talking to two very different communities and in doing so brought them together in fascinating ways. The first was the generation of the Holocaust survivors, people who survived the darkness of evil only to have to live out their lives in the darkness of despair. To them he gave Reb Nachman and affirmed that the world gives little reason to live by except kol ha'oylam kulo geshet sar ma'oid. The world is a narrow bridge on which we all stand. To the next generation, which he called the holy hippies of San Francisco and the Jerry Garcia generation, he gave the Ishbitz's sanction to protest that God wants your heart and then listen to it, even if it sometimes brings you to fight the truth with power, political or religious. These two communities stand in opposition to one another. The survivors ask for continuity and the hippies protest for change. For both of them, Shlomo was the mirror, the narrow bridge. He showed each how they needed the other. The generation of survivors needed to see that while the Holocaust broke the spirit of the Jewish people, the spiritual vocation of the next generation was not survival, but renewal. In doing this double work, Shlomo's own personhood was erased in the shadows of the myth of Shlomo Kalabar. This was his own doing. He was one of those charismatics who could only really be intimate in large crowds. Everyone felt they knew him because in some sense, the he beat on Moshe, they were gazing at Shlomo and saw themselves in the mirror. His tragedy, like the tragedy of Moshe, is that no one knew him because he sacrificed his own opportunity to know himself in order to be a mirror for others. Or perhaps, or perhaps being the tzaddik of Leonard Cohen, he absorbed so much hurt that he needed others to see themselves through him to ease his own pain. As a result, each of his followers heard what he or she wanted to and constructed in him their image, like the recent election. The Orthodox offered one reading. The Neo-Hasidim offered another. 
the diaspora Jews another, Israeli Jews another, leftists read him one way, Jewish militants another. The point is none of them really know for the simple reason that Shloma himself did not know. He sacrificed knowing himself in order to survive, perhaps living in the lonely space from one concert to the other. All he knew was the pain of each life he encountered and the dark cloud that hovered above his own soul. And joining others to his own pain, he understood that to really know another person, one must know oneself. And knowing oneself was simply impossible. As a result, everything is possible. No sketch of Shlomo's impact on contemporary Judaism can avoid the fact that he led a checkered and in many ways problematic life much of it on the road. Allegations and refutations about his per personal life, which broke after that uh, article in Lilith magazine, and there are many, are also part of the complex fabric of who he was. Inspiring, charismatic, broken, lonely, just like the people who were influenced by him. In the final years before his untimely death at age 69, he used to go to Warburg, Massachusetts, where I was living in Brookline, and to teach and sing to a small group uh, at the home of a gracious host. Someone used to tape all the sessions, and in the autumn of 1994, just weeks before his untimely death, he was strapping on his guitar, and after taking his seat, uh, people were kneeling before him, taping the microphone, and as he was sitting down, characteristically tired, yet uncharacteristically weak, he said to one in particular, Okay, Chevra, let's pretend we're happy. My sense is that Shlomo lived a life more or less in accordance with orthodox halacha. However, as the tzaddik, as the saint of Leonard Cohen, he did not believe that halacha was ultimately the glue to heal a broken people or a broken world. After all, for him, it was not only the Jews who were broken after the Holocaust. Like Elie Wiesel, it was humanity that was broken. His emotive reaction seems to reflect Hannah Arendt when she argued in the book Eichmann in Jerusalem, that the Holocaust was not a crime against the Jewish people, but a crime against humanity on the body of the Jewish people. He was a mirror for me as well. My daughter, Batya, gave me a book, Lamana Chaiver AI, a year after his death. I was told to stay away from him halachically before he died. My Rebbe say, you've got to stay away from him, you know. He hugs women. But for me, he was a torn, conflicted life, a life led privately and privately and publicly full of contradictions. But in the end, he dreamed through those Torahs that he gave of a Judaism without walls. And that was his messianic fantasy. Karlbach, the man, left this world in 1994. But Shlomo, the myth, the mirror, the blank piece of paper never left because he never existed. He continues to affirm despair and preach the absurdity of faith to sanction protests as the only expression of hope. And that's what drew me to him. I was a Duff Yomi Yid, highly uh, orthodox in my ritual practice, and suddenly he burst onto the stage 
And Batya gives me the Sefer Lamana Chaiberei after he dies, which introduces me to the Torah of the Ishbits and the Torah of Reb Nachman. These Torah works, I never understood what they were talking about, you know. And suddenly my soul opened. My soul opened to the fact that that in the shutdown post-Holocaust world of Halachic Judaism, we had somehow missed the soul of Judaism. What is a saint? A saint is someone, Cohen tells us, who has achieved a remote human possible, a possibility. It is good to have among us such men, such balancing monsters of love.